But we're going to continue on uh, on the sermon series that Pastor's been doing. It's a it's a five weeks on uh, Route 119, and uh, you know I, I I sat there and I thought, you know what, this guy has got to preach about the Word. He's got to preach. The second week was about uh, prayer, and last week he got to preach about praise. And I thought, man, them are all awesome. He said, hey, why won't you preach? He said, yours is affliction. I said, really? And, and listen, come next week because I guarantee it's going to be awesome. It won't be affliction. And, uh, and listen, the merch, uh, it, it looks good, but you had me at small and large, so uh, I'm out on that too. Uh, but anyhow, we're going to, before we get started, why don't we stand across the building? I, I've gonna, got a lot of groundwork to lay before we, uh, before we read our scripture. And uh, so I'm going to go ahead and get you up to stand now instead of later. And, uh, but if you would, just stretch your hand toward me and pray with me and pray for me this morning. Dear God, our most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you. God, we praise you for everything that you mean to us, Lord, and we thank you for what you're going to do in and through this place this morning, Lord. God, I pray that you would take me, that you would hide me behind your cross, Lord. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just ordain each and every word that's spoken from this platform this morning, Lord. And God, I pray, Lord, that it would flow through me, Lord. God, I pray, Lord, that you would prepare each and every ear to hear, Lord, each and every heart, Lord. God, I pray right now for it to fall upon good ground, Lord. And God, I'm believing for souls. I'm believing that people's lives are going to be forever changed, Lord. And God, I believe right now, Lord, that you're just going to show up and show out only like you can. God, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you for everything that you are to us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, everybody said, oh, yeah, that's what I'm liking right there. It's good to see Doug back with us. Uh, we appreciate that. And, uh, but I, I'm so glad that the Lord, if you would, you could go ahead and be seated. Um, but like I said, uh, Pastor, he's been, uh, he's been talking the last couple weeks about Psalms 119. And, and we've been exploring this deep, long series. And, and you know what? It's lengthy because, listen, there's a lot of, of stuff that's in there. And if you've not read it, I challenge you to go back and, and to read it today or sometime this week. You see, it's necessary. It's neglected by a lot that would prefer the short and sweet type version of things. It's skipped over by the Reader's Digest, as Pastor Sean has said in the, the last couple weeks. And, and whenever I was growing up, you know, I was, uh, I was smart enough that, listen, if I had to do a book report, instead of reading the book, I'd find the book that had a movie, and I'd watch the movie, and then write the book report. Amen? Hey, that's what I'm talking about. I got some of you guys. But, you know, and, but however, in its great length, there's also great depth into Psalms 119. You see, it is rich. It is worth the time if we would just sit down and we would explore it just a little bit. And I would dare to say that throughout our, our relationship, that, that we, this walk that we have with Christ, I, I would dare to say that sometimes not just reading the Word is enough, but we need to get into the Word. Amen? I believe sometimes we got to get down into it, and we got to get into it, we got to uncover some stuff, Chloe, before we can realize what God wants to do in and through us. Because it's just not enough that we come to church on Sundays and we experience a great worship team. We experience Pastor Sean when he brings forth an awesome word. But yet, we got to go home and we got to dig where God wants us to dig. Because if God wants to do in you what he wants to do in you, it's going to take us doing more than what we've been doing. Amen? I believe that God is challenging us. And in Psalms 119, it's the longest chapter in the entire Bible. 
And before we dig into it again, it's important that we understand and we get some background about it. It is comprised of 22 stanzas, each being eight verses long, and each verse has two lines. Each stanza begins with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet, so there was structure to David's words. You see, he just didn't put it together, but Landon, there was structure to it. In fact, there is a tradition in the Eastern Orthodox Church that King David used the Psalms to teach his son Solomon both the Hebrew alphabet and the alphabet of spiritual life. And I don't know about you, but I'm not as much worried about the Hebrew alphabet as I am the alphabet about spiritual life. I believe that the church more now than ever, I believe that we need to get back to holiness, amen? I know that that's not popular, but I know that that's what we've been talking about on Wednesday night back in the youth room because I'm going to tell you something. It's a standard that the church needs to get back to, and I believe whenever we get back to that standard, I believe when our spiritual life is in line with God, our natural life will be in line with God. And I believe more now than ever that we need to be in line with God. Amen. And then whenever he goes on, and Pastor Sean, he, he had mentioned in Psalms 119 that there were some major landscapes that run through it. You see, the first thing that he dug into that David emphasized on the Word. And whenever he was talking about that, he teaches us about the Word because you can't effectively walk without the Word. You see, so many Christians today, we're trying to fight an enemy without no Word. We're trying to fight him when we don't have any backbone. We don't have anything to stand on. We don't have a sword that we can fight with. But yet, whenever all hell breaks loose in our life, that's when the enemy will start to surround us, and then we'll surrender and we quit. We need more now than ever to get into the Word of God because that's what God thinks about you. Listen, we don't need somebody to prophesy over us whenever he's wrote 66 books in the Bible to tell you exactly who you are. You see, the Word is essential. And it's, if there's any kind of deficiency in us, listen, we'll throw in the towel and we'll quit. The second week, uh, uh, David talked about, Pastor Sean talked about David's instruction on prayer. So I'm saying to you, have you prayed the three basic prayers that he's talked about? The first one, he said, teach me. Has anybody asked the Lord, you know what, what do you want to show me? And I'm going to tell you something. That's one of the things over the last couple uh, months in my life, over the last probably year and a half, is one thing when I pray, God, I, I don't want to get in the way. God, I, I want you to show me what you want me to do. God, I don't want to do what I, Dwight thinks that I'm supposed to do, but I want to do, and I want to be right in the center of your will. I, I mess everything up when I get in the situation, but whenever you get in the situation, that's whenever you can do all things. And you see, I, I believe that, that that's what we got to do. We got God, teach me something this week. And you see, the second thing that he talked about, listen, that's the easiest thing that we do in the church. Lord, bless me. How, how many people prayed that today? <laughs> I did. Lord, bless me before I get up there so I don't butcher this thing. But you know what? That, that's, that's whatever. It's so easy for us to be able to get up there and say is, you know what? Lord, bless me. We don't have a problem with that in the church today. And, the, second, and the, the other thing that he talked about, he said, Lord, protect me. God, watch over me. Protect me from my enemy. And sometimes, you know what? I need the Lord to protect him for me. You see, sometimes I can be my own worst enemy. And one of my favorite authors that I read about, one of the old-time preachers, D.L. Moody, said this. 
He said, if I kicked a person in the hind end that was causing me the most problems, he said, George, I could never sit down. He said, so many times we want to put blame that it's the enemy doing it, when all of a sudden, if we would get ourselves out of the way, then God could do something great in our lives. I'm talking about getting a true praise, amen? Then the last, the, then the, the third week, last week we talked about praise. And he discussed the, the wind of our praise. And then at midnight, we should be praising. I don't know about you, but when was the last time that you got a midnight type of praise in? When was the last time that, that you woke up in the middle of the night and everything was going on in your life? All, all heck was breaking, breaking loose. You were broke, busted, and disgusted. You didn't have no way out. You didn't, you didn't know which way was up. You didn't know which way was down. You, the mountain was too high for you to get over. It was too wide for you to go around. You couldn't go under it. But I'm going to tell you something. It's when the church will get back to a midnight type of praise. I believe that God will move, and I believe that the mountain can be cast. When was the last time that we said, God, I want to grab a hold of the horns of the altar and I'm not going to get up until you bless me. I'm not going to get up until you deliver my family. I'm not going to get up until you break the yokes of bondage in every situation that I'm dealing with. You see, I'm going to tell you, the church is paddicate with the enemy long enough that we let him run roughshod and we come in and we don't have any kind of standard. We don't have any kind of backbone. We don't know how to fight whenever the times get tough. But whenever you start seeking into Psalms 119, you'll become to get a backbone. You'll learn how to get aggressive. You'll learn how to fight. You see, when did Ruth go to Boaz to get his attention? You see, very easily we could have talked about other things that went on. Paul and Silas, they got it on at midnight. Listen, they got their praise on. But you know what, Ruth... She got, her, she got Boaz's attention whenever she lay down at his feet at midnight, and it startled him. You see, she advanced at midnight because she got his attention. It would do good. It would do good for the church to pray a midnight type of prayer. It would do the church good. Listen, I don't know what you're facing. I know that, that everybody in here is not walking through tulips and, and tiptoeing through the lily pads or whatever you want to do. But listen, I know that you're going through some situations. But you know what? Sometimes it, it takes a midnight type of praise to get it done. You see, we need to get the ratio right, as Pastor Sean talked about. And I loved it whenever he talked about this last week. He talked that it's a seven-to-one type of praise. You see, we've got it backwards in the church in America today. You see, we, we go seven days and we come and we give him one day of praise. I don't know about you, but that don't even seem remotely right. But David said that I praise him seven times a day. You see, I don't know about you, but I'm doing my thing. Uh, you know what? i got to give him a praise break right now. And I believe that, listen, I believe it was a Pentecostal-type praise too in my mind. Listen, it's my story. You can tell it how you want to. But I believe that David cut a rug just a little bit. I believe that, that listen, that he just didn't say, you know what, I don't want my co But I believe he said, you know what, God, I thank you for the good times. I thank you for my bad times. I thank you for bringing me up. I thank you for blessing me. I thank you for all the good things that you're going to do in and through my life. You see, I believe that, that for seven times a day, David gave him a praise, but yet, sometimes we can't even muster up three and a half minutes a week. That's what we pray over our food. It's free. 
We talked about the why of praise. We praise because that's what we're created to do, Hannah. We were created to praise. If you don't like praise, listen, and I, I'm just, I'm just going to let me help you just a little bit if that's okay. This, this is free. And Pastor, I'm sorry, he may not never let me back up. But if you don't like praise, then listen, you don't want to go to heaven. Because I'm going to tell you something, that's what we're going to do. We're going to praise. You see, we pray as an overflow of our life. Your mouth will not overflow with praise if your life does not overflow with praise. You see, as Pastor Sean said, and we've heard it many times, Listen, if it's garbage in, guess what? It's garbage out. You see, I believe that it's time to put God in so God can come out. You see, finally we dealt with the how we praise. We should, we should be willing praisers. We shouldn't have to be primed. We shouldn't have to be cheerleaded. We shouldn't have to be pumped. We shouldn't have to be just encouraged. I don't know about you, but I believe that whenever we come into the house of God, there's breath inside of my body. There's a pep inside of my step. I know what he saved me from. He saved me from a hell. I know where, where I come from. And you know what? It's not hard for me to sit over and worship him. You see, I don't have to have a microphone to worship him. I don't have to have a platform to be able to give him a praise. It's because he's worthy of it this morning. Somebody give him a hand clap this morning. Amen. I'm supposed to teach this. So now let's move forward to Psalms 119. It covers some subject matter that, you know what, it, it's not liked. It would rather be not even discussed. You see, most would rather David had just left this part out, but he didn't. Because he knew that it was very important in his life, and he knew that it was going to be very important in his son's life if he was going to fulfill to be the man of God that God had called him to be or the woman of God in here that God's called you to be. You see, David, he couldn't leave it out. You see, David certainly endured some hardship up to this point in his life. And we've read a lot of stuff about David. We, we see that David's been through all kinds of stuff. He was overlooked by his father. He was overlooked by the king. His father-in-law desired to kill him. His wife despised him. Glad you love me. His best friend dies. He loses a child in judgment. And there's a whole lot of other things that we see that David went through throughout his life. You see, David, to be a man after God's own heart, he went through a lot of stuff, but yet he didn't throw in the towel. You see, he went through a lot of affliction, but yet when times got tough, he didn't quit. And you see, that's what's wrong with a lot of us today is when times get tough, we, we're more worried about what Oprah says about us or we're more worried about whoever else, what somebody else has got to say about us than what God's got to say about us. You see, David was no stranger, and in fact, he's the perfect person that we should look at to be able to speak to us on the concept of affliction. You see, of all the life lessons that he felt compelled to teach his son, he could not gloss over, he could not leave out, he couldn't sugarcoat it, he couldn't experience no more of affliction 
Because he, listen, that the, the world says, you know what, just sugarcoat it, just pat it by, just let it go on. But you see, David could not because affliction was real in his life. You see, we must not neglect to preach the reality of affliction to believers today. So if David wasn't going to leave it out, amen, we can't leave it out. You see, we're not exempt from affliction just because we're Christ followers. But my friend, it's quite the opposite. You see, the Bible said in John 10, 10, he said, The thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy. And I'm going to tell you something. I never knew the enemy until I knelt at an altar. I knew that I was in sin. I knew that I was dying and I was on my way to hell. But I never knew how to fight until I got on my knees and I had to say yes to Jesus. But you see, that's the very moment that I knew that the enemy hated me, that he was going to try to kill. You see, though our futures are bright, and we know that God has a Jeremiah 29, 11 plan over our lives, we also know that the, the plan of knowing how to deal with the affliction and the pain sometimes brings, you see, life sometimes brings some affliction and pain, amen? Sometimes life stinks. Sometimes life's difficult. Sometimes life just isn't fair. But you know what? It's, it's part of it. God, we, we, we can't go around it. We, we can't tiptoe around the tulips. You see, in Route one, uh, 119, it talks about that. David makes three very direct and powerful statements about pain and affliction. And we're going to look at three of them real quick. And the first one we're going to look at is in Psalms 119, verse 67. It said, before I was afflicted, I, was astray, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You see, David was very clear right here. He said, before affliction was introduced into my life, I was wandering astray. Now, I don't know about you, but... I, I truly believe the old analogy, listen, you give, the, you, you give somebody an inch and they'll take what? They'll take a mile. And that's the same way with God. God says, you know what, I'll give you an inch, and guess what we do? We take a mile. But sometimes God has to reel us back in, and it's not popular the way that he has to reel us back in. It's not, it's not something that we desire, something that we want to go through. But you know what, I wished that we could all be obedient before affliction. But for most of us, including David, a man after God's own heart, this isn't the case. Sometimes we just have to go through some things that we're not interested in. Has anybody in here ever disciplined a child? Let me see. i got to make sure I can see you. <laughs> My hand's up too. But you know what? Sometimes whenever we discipline our children, there's a reason why we discipline them. And, uh, and I've got all three of them here in this service. Uh, I had Kyra and I had Chloe and Sophia at the old church. We get out of church one time and I get somebody telling me, they said, Dwight, we walked outside and we caught them girls throwing rocks at a glass door. I said, tell me, Chloe, that that couldn't have been true. Throwing rocks, what, what could possibly happen, Chloe? I don't know that. I said, guess what? Whipping. But the thing about it is, is, is sometimes we have, to, we have to discipline our child. And whenever we discipline, one thing that I notice about it is after whenever they are disciplined, that their attitudes begin to change. They don't do the same thing that they did before they were disciplined. You see, affliction is a tool of discipline. It is meant, it is it is a part 
of discipleship. You see, I, I truly believe that if you want to be a disciple after Christ, listen, we have to have affliction. God has to take us to a place. God has to send us through a fire so he can burn things off of us, so he can shape us, so that he can mold us, that he can just absolutely get us to a place where he can use us to be a willing vessel for him. You see, I don't believe that, that he, he puts, the, puts it on us, but I believe that he allows us to go through things so he can mold us into who he's called us to be. You see, several verses after we read about David's affliction, you see, David starts to change his tune just a little bit. He, he, he starts to say, you know what, God? I want you to comfort me now. You see, but our issue is that we want comfort, but we want no affliction. Amen? We, listen, I, I want to sit in the same seat that I always sit in. Don't, don't you sit in my seat because that's my comfort zone. You know what? I, I'll tell you, I'm hot. Pastor, I, I, want, I want to send a text to the pastor. Listen, we need to turn the air up. We need to turn the air down. Well, it, the music's too loud. It's not loud enough. The preacher talks too long. He don't talk long enough. Listen, it, it's this. It's that. Listen, I don't care if you preach about truth, but I just don't want you to preach about my sin where I'm at right now. You see, we want baby bear soup type of church. We want to be comfortable whenever we come into church. We want somebody to come in and, and pat us on the back and say, you know what, everything's going to be all right. But I'm going to tell you something, everything's not going to be all right. Amen. I believe that he's taking us through some things. You see, likewise, we want discipleship, but we don't want no discipline. If you don't discipline, then you're going to end up with rebellious, headstrong, and spoiled children. You see, this isn't Burger King. You can't have it your way in this house. But it's God's way in this house. You see, God is more committed to our character than he is our comfort this morning. You see, too many of us, we try to avoid it. We try to run. We try to self-medicate so we can ignore, so that we can complain, and we can become angry about the affliction that we're going through. But the truth is, it took the affliction to get us to obey and to get our attention where God can use us. You see, our rebellious, our hard-headed ways has led us astray, and it took pain and affliction to get us back to where God can use us. I tell you what, this, I know it's not popular, but too many times, too many of us, we, we are bitter with God for utilizing a situation, but you know what? I believe that God's put you in a situation to make you better, not bitter. You see, David come to grips with the pains of discipline is more desirable than the pain that comes from the result of rebellion and the disobedience. You see, whenever we start rebellion and, and disobedience, the Bible said that the rebellion is a form of witchcraft. Listen, but I believe that whenever we can come to the grips that, you know what, God has not got us in this situation because he wants to punish us, but he wants to absolutely get us where he can use us. In Psalms 119.71, it said, It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. He said it was good. I don't know, but I read about David in a whole lot of places, and I don't see nowhere good about some of the afflictions that he went through. And I'm going to tell you something, I've been in some places that, that I didn't think that it was real tough. But David said that, that he said it was good. And so I, I truly believe that, that hear, hear what we say carefully. This is a foreign concept to a lot of us, and I, I want us to say it together, say, 
It was good that I was afflicted. Say it one more time. So why is it that every time that we go through a hardship or we go through some kind of thing, you see us come in and we're spiritually kicking and screaming whenever God is trying to do something in our affliction? You see, sometimes God has to crush us so he can get what's on the inside of us out. Can I say that again? Sometimes God has to crush us so he can get what's on the inside of us, the most valuable thing on the inside of us. He has to crush us so he can get what he wants out of us. You see, pain is a product, and we hear it all the time in sports because in sports it says no pain, no gain. I disagree with that because I played sports and it hurt. But affliction is our friend, is what David is talking about. It's the ability to help us learn. You see, it, it may be hard, but I know that I've been in this thing for long enough now that I know when I'm going through some hardship that instead of me looking at why, oh, me, why, and I'm going to tell you something, can I be honest? I had that last night. <laughs> so it's, it, it don't do good sometimes. Because last night I had all these notes typed up. And we come to the church at 7 about 7 o'clock, and, and, and what was the computer doing? Yeah. It was a lot of the church today. It was non-responsive. Oh, sorry. So I started just tripping out just a little bit because I'm thinking, I got to preach tomorrow morning, and I don't have my notes, and, and it's non-responsive. It's not coming. Listen, we couldn't exit out of it. We couldn't do anything. And, and I'm saying, and listen, I'm sweating right now, but I was even sweating more last night sitting here in this in this uh, church because I was like, I was about to hyperventilate. I'm like, get me a bag. And, and, and Darla's like, I'm like, you had to touch something. And she said, I didn't touch nothing. Instead of me getting hateful, I said, all right, baby, that's good. I said, how are we going to fix it? I was stroking out. And you guys didn't even know. And uh, just like right now, I sweated my T-shirt full, and within three minutes out in this, uh, in this lobby. Because I knew that, you know what, there was something that he wanted to teach me. And the thing about it was, is last night when I got home and I started praying, Darla walked in the room, she said, why? She said, I don't know why, but she said, I believe the Lord wants to just, he done this for a reason. And I said, I don't like it. Anybody ever real like that? I mean, huh. bro, not today. But anyhow, that's what we had to go through. So it was about 1130 before we got some more stuff printed out. But, you know, pain props us in the right direction. You see, sometimes whenever you feel like that you've got everything mapped out and you think like everything's all right, God says, you know what, listen, I don't want you to be like, uh, I, I, maybe he has to do you like Jonah and he, instead of you going to Tarshish, he wants to take you to Nineveh. But yet you say, you know what, I want to go to Tarshish, but yet he's going to put some affliction in your life because he said, nah, I want you to go to Nineveh just a little bit. You see, the way that you go, listen, just because you're going through something doesn't mean that there's something wrong in your life. It just means that God wants to do something in your life. But you know what? what's amazing about it? It's most, most of us, we can relate to, to the Romans where everybody else has a predicament, but they can never apply it to ourselves. In Romans chapter 8, verse number 20, it says, 
We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. You see, He didn't say some things. He didn't say that, that He would just work some things out in your life. He didn't say that He would just do uh, whatever that you're... But He said, I'll work all things out. It doesn't matter what you're facing. If you're a child of God, it's His good pleasure to work all things out in your life. David had matured in his relationship, and now he states that affliction was actually a blessing. Now, I've not got that good yet. I'm not where David was. When I go through hard times, listen, it's still tough. I don't call it a blessing all the time until I'm done with it. Now I'm like, you know what, that was a blessing. <coughs> listen, as Pastor Sean would say, you know, we're just going to be real. Excuse me. In Romans chapter 5, verse number 3, you know what, let me, let me go back just a second. He said the blessing was good for him. You see, right now, I believe that this people that's in here, listen, you think that you have no hope. You think that your future looks bleak. You think that, that everything's just falling in on you. You feel like the, the walls are just collapsing on the inside of you. But you know what? I want you to know that he said all things. Whatever you're facing this morning, you don't have to face it alone. He said all things. Romans chapter 5, verse number 3 through 4 says, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. So I don't know about you, but... So David and Paul both recognize that if you don't have any afflictions, that it will never have any endurance in your life. And, and I don't know what got into our basketball team yesterday, but they finally showed up and they had some endurance a little bit. But, you know, I, I remember whenever I did play that my coach would say, you know what, you can cheat on your suicides and on your runs, but you know what, you'll find out whenever the game gets tough a little bit. You see, and so many times we find out that if you have no endurance, that you will have no character. And if you have no character, that you'll have no hope. Have you ever run into those parents that do everything for their children? Listen, uh, they, they, they put them in leagues where everybody gets trophies and everybody wins. You know what? It's all right. You got the brakes beat off of you. Here's your trophy. You're, you're terrible. There you go. <laughs> I hope your kids play good ball. But they bail them out of everything that, that it seems like that they're going through. It seems like when trouble fails, that they're always there to bail them out. They never pay their bills. They never endure any kind of heartache. And you know what the result of that is? It's whenever we're raising children that don't have no endurance and they have no character. And when all hell breaks loose, they throw in the towel and they quit. Amen. I'm going to try to teach this last one. Psalms chapter 119, verse number 75, talks about God's faithfulness. He said, I know, O Lord, that your rules are righteous, and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Now, if you're not careful to begin, we begin to question God every time we go through some kind of trial. David would suggest that, that it was the affliction was showing that it was showing that it was God's faithfulness. When you're in pain and, 
You look through the clouds and, and, and you need to push back everything you see. You know what? You feel like that you're the Maytag repairman. You feel like you're the loneliest man in the whole building. But if you'll just pull back the curtains of time, if you'll just look and you'll, you'll look through your pain, you'll look through your agony, I promise you, you'll see God holding you up. That's what kind of God that we serve. You see, not only do we question God's faithful, faithfulness, but we also become angry with God. We also allow Him to, to allow others to become angry with God, and they become to encourage us to become just a little bit bitter. I'm going to tell you, I'm glad that we don't have no bitter people in the church. I'm not going to look up right now. But go read about Job's friends that tried to convince him to curse his God and die because of all the pain that he was going through. You see, David and Job must have been a southern gospel uh, group, or they must have really liked southern gospel because you know what they did? They found that he was the God on the mountain just the same as he was the God on the valley. You see, it's the immature, it's the proper, uh, the, the prosperity-stricken church Christian that believes that it's only good whenever everything's going on, that, that that's only God that's doing that. You see, I'm going to tell you something. We've got to go through some things. You see, that's why we have very few heroes today that's walking planet Earth like we did back when we read about in the Bible days. And you know what it could be? It could be because we've chosen easy and comfort over endurance. We've chosen pleasure over pain. You see, we're more worried about what's it going to cost me to get into his presence. We're more worried about comfort over character. You see, we're raising a generation of quitters when affliction hits. You see, when time gets hard, we're, we're raising a generation that just says, you know what, I'm going to quit. Whenever trials begin to hit, you know what? I'm just going to throw in the towel just a little bit. When my marriage begins to go south and, and things start to happen, I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to bail out on it before I try to fix anything. When my job isn't joyous for the last two weeks, I'm going to quit it before I find another one. You see, that's what we're raising. But you know what? Give me somebody that's been through something. I'm going to tell you something. I, I, I want to go fight with somebody that's been through some things. I, I want to fight with somebody. I want to be in the foxhole. I want to be. I want to be down next to somebody praying. I want somebody praying for me that's been through some issues, Karen. I want somebody that's praying that says, "You know what? I, I, I've been through sickness. I've been through heartache. I've been through hurt. I've been through all these situations, and I know that my God is more than able, and He is who He says He is." Amen. If you would, you guys can come to the music. Give me a discount. But you know what? God is still faithful. And He still has our best interest in mind. So that's why we need to push through. That's why we need to learn how to endure. That's why we need to grow. That's why we need to mature. Let me tell you this. If God is allowing a trial, it is our trustworthiness that's being tested, not His. What you're going through, listen, it's more about us than it is him. Because he's trustworthy. My question is, are you this morning? If you would, let's stand across the building. I challenge you that they're going through the midst of a battle. I, I challenge you to do something a little different. I, I challenge you to push the curtains back just a little bit. Instead of saying, you know what, why has God forsaken me? Why has is, why is God forsaken me? Why don't we just change the, the circumstance just a little bit and say, you know what? God is faithful.
God, I, I'm not going to say that, that he's forsaken me anymore, but I'm God's favorite. There's power in your words, as I believe Nicholas or said this uh, earlier. There's power in your words. What you call them, they will be. Listen, I don't call them cancer. I don't. I don't call it. I don't call it uh, sickness. I call them healed. I, I don't call it uh, brokenness. I don't call it. Uh, any kind of any type of sickness in life. But you know what? I call, the Bible said that joy will come in the morning. No matter what you're facing, I believe that God is the peace that passes all understanding that you're facing in this place today. But you know what? Maybe you're one of, two, you're one of three things this morning. You're either getting ready to go into a battle, you're in a battle, or you're getting ready to come out of one. So what's he teaching you this morning? How will you view affliction? David knew that in the end, God would always be faithful. It doesn't matter what you're facing right now. Just know in the end, He's going to be faithful. In Psalms 34, verse number 19, it said, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivered them out of them all. Let's be clear. David didn't say that you would have affliction. He said that you would have many afflictions. That doesn't seem to be good news, but it doesn't seem to be something that we want to be. But you know what I like about it? He said, the Lord would deliver them out of them all. He is faithful if we'll just hold on. I'm going to tell you something. There's too many of you right now, you're right on the brink of your breakthrough. Listen, you fought hard. I, I believe the Lord sees that. Listen, you fought. You prayed. You've clawed. And you're right there on the, on the edge of your breakthrough and the enemy's trying to get you to quit. He's trying to get you to throw in the towel. He's trying to tell you, you know what, it's not worth it. But you know what? He's a liar. He's a liar. If you would, let's bow our heads. Dear God, we thank you and we praise you this God, we thank you right now for what you're doing in this place, Lord. I pray right now for each and every person that's here, Lord. God, that may be going through a hardship, that may be broken on the inside, that may be hurting. They may be get right, right now ready to throw in the towel. But God, I know right now, Lord, that you said that you come to give us life and to give it more abundantly, Lord. God, that you hung between the heavens and the earth for each and every one of us, if nobody else, just for me. And God, I'm asking you this morning, Lord, that you would move, Lord, that you would touch Maybe there's people here right now and, and they can't see over their situation. They can't see no way around it. They can't get under it. But God, they need a touch from you. God, I believe that today, Lord, that you can show them. God, that you're going to teach us. God, that you're going to take us and that you're going to lead us to be the man and woman of God that you called us to be because we're not quitters. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know what, Dwight? I'm going through some hard times. I'm going through a battle. Listen, you may have been saved for 20 years. You may have been saved 50 years. You may have been saved two weeks. If that's you, shoot your hand up. Let me see if that's you. I'm going through some things. I need the Lord to move on. I see your hands. I see your hands. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. God is going to move upon your behalf. But you know what? He's waiting for you to move this morning. But my first and foremost thing is, is if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, 
If you're here this morning and, and Jesus was to split the eastern skies right now, would you be ready to go to heaven? If you're not ready to go, would you shoot your hand up and say, you know what, Pastor, that's me. Would you just pray for me? Listen, if he was to come right now, if I were to leave this planet right now, I wouldn't be ready to go. Amen. So this morning, as they sing in this altar, I challenge each and every one of you, ask God, say, God, I know that I'm going through this for a reason. I don't like it. It doesn't feel good. I'm not comfortable with it. But you know what? What do you want to teach me through it? Because, God, I want to be obedient to what you want to do in and through me because, God, I want to make a difference for the kingdom.